Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Hi, Britton. Hi, Matt. How big is that? It's huge. <laughs> it's as big as it is. It is what it is. To quote someone to in quote the industry. Some, to quote someone we know and love. <laughs> uh, we do market update podcasts, kind of talking about, you know, market stats, what's going on, how's the market feel, which got me to thinking about statistics and, you know, how they are used in, in real estate. And then perhaps the real estate statistic that we hear the most about, at least in San Francisco, is price per square foot and square footage. Yeah, price per square foot is a thing, and <laughs> it's... So, what do you mean when you say price per square foot is so a thing? So, price per square foot is a valid metric in the pricing consideration. Okay, it's a valid metric in the pricing consideration. Is there reliable data with which to build those metrics? So, you can get the price per square foot out of the MLS from... Sometimes. Sometimes from properties that have the square footage listed. And if that, there, but there's no square footage police as it was, you know, for MLS listings, true. right? Every brokerage has their own policy about whether or not they'll include square footage in a listing. And then if they do include it, they'll have their policy about how they're going to source it, right? And right. The MLS source can be tax records, architect, condo map, owner, appraiser, graphic artist, Bob, Bob's your uncle, <laughs> this guy with a pencil. Sometimes the square footage is included in the MLS with the source of measured by agent. And that makes me get so twitchy. <sighs> yeah, because that's that's like putting a neon sign on yourself saying, please sue me. It really it, it is. I mean, I really thought that category was just there for like a punchline during MLS trainings. <laughs> and if you put it in, your computer would blow up. Right. Well, it should. But um, okay. So coming back to it's a metric everyone wants to use to measure how the market is doing, but the underlying numbers, you know, so we've talked about one source, which is MLS and MLS gets its numbers from wildly varying sources. It's a useful metric to a differing degree in different neighborhoods and with different property types. Let's say you're looking at a condo at, at Lumina and all of those were built. Obviously, they were built at the same time. They have the same basic finishes. Some are upgraded. If you have a bridge view, your price per square foot is going to be higher. But if, my, my point is, if you're looking in the same building, it's a pretty useful metric. Like price per square foot goes up as you go up. The building, as you get to a higher floor, that's a pretty much a given. It goes up as you get better views, and it actually goes up as you get a smaller unit. And that doesn't apply just at Lumina. It, that applies almost everywhere. Right. That's just the law of math. As the square footage goes down, the price per square foot goes up. All other things being equal. All other things being equal. And the inverse is true as well. So the house we just got into contract for our lovely clients this week, it's a 3,000 square foot house. It's the biggest house around in this particular neighborhood, and the price per square foot was the lowest. 
it was very extremely underpriced because it needs some work. Just a little paint. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a useful conversation point, but it's not the be all end all. It's not like you can say, here is the price based on price per square foot. And I think where you find it, if you were looking at, say, a KB home development that was, you know, it's either single family homes, it's either floor plan A, B, C, or D. And you can look at those and be like, oh, that's what that one's selling for. And then you can adjust a little bit like, oh, it's on the quiet end of the street or it has the view or whatever. But I think price per square foot is a lot more useful where there's very homogenous housing. So what I'm hearing you say is in San Francisco real estate, price per square foot is a metric that's most useful or most accurate in the newer, bigger condo buildings. That's within the building. I think or that within the building comparison. That's it's very useful there. I also think it's useful. Probably the next most useful place is in a neighborhood like Westwood Park, where all the houses were built at the same time, and a lot of similar layouts and very similar style. And then, of course, you would adjust for this one hasn't seen remodeling since the dawn of time, and this one was updated last week. You would adjust like that, but for a basic starting point, a neighborhood that was built, I don't want to say tract housing, but it's kind of like, I mean, was built all at the same. Tract housing. I mean, yes, tract housing has this horrible connotation now, but yes, it was um, similar housing, right? It was yeah. it was its new development of the day, though, just like, you know, Rockwell or Lumina or uh, Vita or any of those are today. Yeah, so. exactly. However, the, the problem that you run into and any of those existing as-built neighborhoods, especially with single families, is the bonus. The bonus. The bonus space. Bonus is a euphemism for this was built without a permit. What a bonus! <laughs> and so it's interesting because if it was added without a permit, an appraiser will not give it full value. Like say you're in a neighborhood where something is a thousand bucks a square foot and something was added without permits, the appraiser will give it some value, but will not value it at a full thousand dollars a square foot. Right. And then my experience of this is you end up building the spreadsheet and then there's still kind of the, the wiggle factor, you know, as it is, because even though like this one sold for that and that's what the tax records say that it had, you know, a room or two down or, you know, it had some extra square footage. And so even there, it, it becomes challenging really quickly. Right. Unless, you know, you're kind of like remembering to catch all of the exceptions to, to use those square footages. Exactly. And that's before we get to, you know, conversions and buildings and where their square footage measurements may or may not come from. Or TICs that don't have right. tenancy for those not familiar uh, with the term TIC, tenancy in common. Yeah. To get a, an accurate square footage measurement in a TIC, tenancy in common, you have to hire a floor plan. I mean, everyone gets one at the end when they hire the surveyor to do the math. <laughs> right. You know, but for TICs, they can exist for decades before that happens. You know, it's a chunk of the building. It, it is what it is. Very true. So with square footage, one of the issues with it is not only are there so many different sources for it. You were mentioning earlier, tax records, condo map, 
My Uncle Bob. Your Uncle Bob, measured by seller. Like, there are apps you can get now to measure room, right? Measured by phone. But, so, there's all these different sources for it. And then the other thing, too, is that there's all these different methods. Appraisers will often measure, like, from exterior wall to exterior wall, but they don't take out the space for interior walls. And so, you get the drawing of the exterior footprint of the building, and walls aren't paper thin. Well, Although they, sometimes they sound like it, they never although, are. Exactly. So you do lose square footage to walls, but... Um, you don't really lose square footage. It's just not really usable in the yeah, same way. Exactly. But it provides some value, I would say. Exactly. <laughs> so if you hire an architect, you're going to get a different number than you would if you hired a draftsperson or an appraiser. I mean, it's just... I think if you gave six different people, different measuring tools and said, have at it, measure this house. You'd come up with six different numbers. Which one would be right? The biggest one. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, hearing you say that while price per square foot can be a good metric, there are some unevennessness with the data. Um, Definitely. That, I mean, there's- that makes it not a... Once again, it's it's not a science. There's more of an, an art to this. Right. You can't just take the numbers and say, okay, you want to buy the house. The house next door sold last year for $1,100 a square foot. We're just going to take your square footage and multiply it. You can't do that. You have to look at... But that's what everyone wants to do. Well, <laughs> and do you remember when we hit $1,000 a square foot and everyone was like, man, that makes it easy. <laughs> that suddenly got easy for a quarter. Um, but... It's a starting point. But then because our housing is so different around here, I mean, even in the avenues, it was all the same when it was built. Some houses have been expanded. Some have been chopped into two units with an illegal apartment downstairs. Sorry, bonus apartment. Some have been been like gutted and, you know, steel beam and completely opened up and, you know, tricked out appliances. So that's why you have to, you, you can use it as a starting point, but you, you have to look at, Apples and apples. And then you have to... Is it a Honeycrisp or a Fuji? I don't even know what that means. See, but we don't have enough apples to even get into like the various types of apples. I mean, I feel like often when I'm looking... When we're looking for stats, you know, especially given low inventory for the last several years... Within any MLS subdistrict, you're lucky if you have a couple other properties within the last six months. It's true. Um, that have sold. And then when we're, you know, we start working with such small data sets, it like begs the question, you know, is that a statistic or is that kind of noise? You know, because the other part of value is market value and personal value, right? So even if you know, what that person paid for that property and what that property size actually was, was there some mitigating factor in that sale that, you know, makes that sales price not necessarily reflective of of pure market value, right? Like was it their 26th offer and they were just willing to put anything on the table to be done with it? Did it have like the perfect layout or, you know, kind of those one-off factors that do influence housing prices, and when you're working with a really small data set, it's like, if you haven't seen it, you can't just be like, oh yeah, it's, I mean, you need to know. Yeah. And that's why it's good to, for us to pick up the phone and call. If we're going to use another sale, we'll call the listing agent of a house that we want to use as a comp and say, hey, what happened? 
If we haven't seen it already. Yeah, chances are good we've seen it. We've seen we've seen a lot. Sometimes twice. Sometimes many times. Sometimes. <laughs> so price per square foot is not an absolute metric of truth, as it were, in real estate. Nope. It's a conversation starter. It's part of the picture, but it's not the only picture. It's a conversation starter. It often feels like people want it to be the conversation finisher. <laughs> it's a part of the conversation, right? I think we've conversed about square footage. I think we have. I'm so glad you're back from your five-week vacation. How big is that? <laughs> Huge. <laughs> it's bigly. Oh. Sorry. No. Esker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Oh. Oh.